0: It's uh, 20th Century Geek. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly. Now, we all like to laugh, we all like comedy, or at least I hope you do, and I've tracked back, we've talked about comedy in the past, we talked about Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister and Red Dwarf, and I've often alluded to the fact that I do like comedy, I'm a big fan of sitcoms and a big fan of stand-up comedians like Dave Allen, Billy Connolly, even Bill Hicks from the States, and obviously I've had Mike on the show who, uh, as a co-host, often thinks he's funny. So, what should we talk about that's comedic? What, in pop culture, rings out as being something big and having a massive legacy? Well, there's only one thing I could really think of, and something I wanted to dig into just to get some perspectives on it. So, I called out some friends, I called out to anybody and said, who wants to talk to me about Monty Python? Specifically, Monty Python's Flying Circus, the TV show that ran from 1969 to 1974 on the BBC. Who wants to talk about this anarchic surrealist sketch show and its legacy on Comedy Today? And many, many people came back, but I ended up talking to a guy called Jim. Jim's a great guy, and we caught up and we had a chat about Monty Python. What it means to me, what it means to him as an American, how the Americans view this very sort of British uh, comedy. So sit back, strap yourself in. And let's get down to talking about Monty Python's Flying Circus. We'll jump in. So, uh, Jim, thank you for joining yes. us on 20th Century Geek. I really appreciate uh, you uh, giving the time. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, so, I have to admit, this is uh, I reached out across the entire sort of the interweb and I had a few people come back uh, about talking about Monty Python uh, in all their forms. And um, oddly enough, I mean, I'm talking to you now, but oddly enough, the majority were American. Um, And I was a little surprised by that. That might just be my demographic or, you know, the people I reached out to. But it definitely seems to have a, um, I was expecting... Well, not that level of, of uh, response from the American community, so I was quite surprised. So it's it's going to be great to get the, the you know like an American perspective on such a British sense of humour that I've always I've always you know considered it. Well, I think the thing with Monty Python is yeah, it's 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 definitely uh, obviously British centric, but I think it's not so much so bad to the point
1: where uh, <clears throat> us blokes across the pond <laughs> yeah. uh, can uh, can't get it um, because. There's, uh, I mean, yeah, there are some inside jokes uh, that I uh, I couldn't get. It took me a long time to figure out what uh, "it's a fair cop" means.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, once I figured it out, I'm like, oh well, you know, that's fine. But uh, but in my opinion, Monty Python uh, transcends that because it's just reg- regular people who are like all
0: prim and proper and straight laced just being silly and Mm. who who doesn't want to see that yeah you you can't enjoy that I suppose we should actually jump back a bit so you know do you want to introduce yourself and um, introduce your introduction to uh, Monty Python
1: well yeah my name is uh, I'm uh, (coughs) Jim Goble um, otherwise known as uh, Jimmy G I actually have my own podcast it's called the Pie Factory podcast we talk about a couple of arcade video games and uh, time together with a theme we're going on our fourth year Wow! Cool. I got, a, I got, yeah, I got a uh, co-host for that, um, mm. and um, so yeah, so uh, we're that uh, <clears throat> end plug here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm almost fifty. It was like I don't know, six or seven, mm. maybe a little bit younger. Uh, Monty Python uh, started airing uh, late night on. Um, well, first of all, I'm from uh, in the uh, Chicago, Illinois metropolitan area. Um, you might, uh, if you ever hear about, uh, you know, shootings in the United States, uh, it's <laughs> yeah. most likely come from Chicago. Murder uh, <clears throat> capital of the country, we're number one.
0: Ooh, um, actually, it's a badge of honor, that.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not actually in Chicago. I'm about a, actually about 100 kilometers uh, southwest, uh, about 64 miles or so. But, uh, yes, I, I started liking the metric system recently because I hate fractions.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so I use for met, uh, metrics whenever I can, I'll, although it seems to me, tangent, 100 degrees should be what it feels like when it's actually 100 degrees and not the boiling point of water. Other than that, I have no problem with the metric system. I wish we would go to it, but you know,
3: yeah.
0: tangent. Or... I have I have <laughs> one thing to interject there. I, I love and and you know you're not the only one. I have some of the American friends that, that have said similar things. You know, to, oh, I live about 50 miles south of this or sort of seventy five <clears throat> miles north of that. And it's like, oh, we, you know, we're we sort of we're next to it, and it, you know, for me, when you sort of say like, oh yeah, I'm 70 miles away from something, I'm thinking, wow, that's like the other end of the country. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I'll, I'll tell you something. Uh, well, going off on more tangents, I used to work technical support for an insurance software company, and uh, I was uh, talking to an agency in Las Vegas, Nevada, and um, they're like oh we have to go all you know they, i told them they had to do something oh we got to go all the way to our other office all the way on the other side of town and i'm like how many miles is that and he's like oh that's 10 miles and i'm laughing because the chicago metro area is like 60 miles this <laughs> mile. and, and then you go north then you're into milwaukee which is in of itself another thing yeah so, so but
0: uh, i suppose but, it's, yeah. it's all re- it's all relative isn't it it's
1: all relative yeah and um but uh, but yeah, so you know, Southwest of Chicago, and they started airing uh, Monty Python's Flag Circus late night on our local public television station out here, and um, I started watching it, and um, I, was, I was, you know started enjoying it, and then one uh, one year they aired uh, Holy Grail, and I watched it, and I'm like this is the silliest damn thing I've ever seen. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was swearing on this show.
0: Oh yeah, no go for it. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, it, was a serious, it, it was the funniest damn
1: thing I'd ever seen, the silliest damn thing I'd ever seen, and, and it grew from there. Um, and uh, I've just been uh, been in love with the show ever since. Uh, it was it was honestly the animations and uh, mm. the nudity that uh, got me in as a little kid. It's,
0: um, yeah, it's the little things know. that it's the little things that entice you in, isn't it? Really? It's, it's, uh, uh... Well, the big things, anyway.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, some of the women were well endowed, I must say. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, Carol Cleveland, yeah, um, she's pretty good looking. Uh, actually, uh, last time I saw a picture of her, which is uh, which is uh, nice to nice to see. She's uh, kept herself up. Uh, really Yeah, well she's lately. aged well.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, uh, unlike uh, the members of the group, unfortunately, but so. yeah. <laughs> but uh, the um, yeah, uh, another tangent. She should actually, in my opinion, her and Neil and should have had full uh, full. Cast membership uh, early yeah. on because they were th- those two were integral to the show, but you know what you're going to do. It, it is what it is.
0: It's true that no, it's funny. like I say keep on with the tangent. You know they they they, they often refer to, her, uh, to Carol Cleveland as like the seventh Python, um, but it's almost like know, yeah, like it's an honorary position. But they're not going to honor much. You know, like say she doesn't really get a full credit. She doesn't get much of a. You know, she's not known, I and mean, I think it's a real shame actually when you watch the show.
1: Yeah, uh, at least they're not treating her like Pete Best, so yeah, that's true. She's
0: got that going for her. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um,
1: so yeah, I mean, it just uh, it just went from there, and over the years, I've uh, seen uh, I've seen all the movies. I'm ashamed to say the only one I don't own is Life of Brian. I remember seeing that at a young age, and that one I actually didn't get the first couple of times I saw it, and that was more in my teenage years, mm-hmm. so, starting then when I saw it, and so I never bought that one, but. Uh, now it's like I'm keeping an eye out for it if I find it for like a couple of bucks at the yeah, Walmart yeah. or something yeah. but, uh, but uh, yeah that's the only one I've never owned um, I've owned at one time or another all the computer games um, they had the uh, the Complete Waste of Time mm-hmm. which was uh, you know based on the, the TV show and then there was the Holy Grail game which was interesting how they had uh, parodies of Tetris and Mortal Kombat yeah. <laughs> yeah. so that was neat and then um, uh, the um, what was the other one? Uh, Meaning of life, which I was pissed off at that one because there was a bug in the game uh, to make that made it unplayable uh, because they forgot to code in uh, a thing telling you to switch to the second uh, the second disc, and you um, would it would just come up with a blank screen. And if you knew exactly where to click on the screen, you could continue, but you know, they never released a patch for that, which was kind of sucked. And um, a lot of people didn't realize there was actually a uh, sort of pseudo uh, Monty Python platformer game too. Uh, just It was called Monty Python's Flying Circus, it uh-huh. was released on floppy for uh, the PC, the Commodore Amiga, and I actually had it for my Atari ST computer, which, there's another uh, another tangent there, Computers computer should have been more popular in the United States than it was, but I think I was on the only well, one only of like three people I knew that I actually owned one. <laughs> um so i had that but unfortunately i had the cracked version of it which had a trainer which that game was pretty dang hard <laughs> uh, i have to say um, i do have a, a a pc copy of it here on five and a quarter floppy that i've never opened and um now seeing as i don't have a five and a quarter floppy drive probably never will open it <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey at least if i have to go find a find it and play it on my computer at least i know i own a copy so the uh
0: it's there if you need software it.
1: it. Yeah. The, yeah, the software people won't come after me. But,
0: um, it's, fascinating, uh, know, it's fascinating because I know, like, I knew, I, I, you know, I've obviously watched the show, the films, and some of the stage shows and stuff, and I, I knew they would they had the games. I'd, I'd read about them, and I sort of, it seemed like a bit of a side note that, you know, oh, and they also went multimedia. I've never played them or never sort of seen anything of them. So, Because obviously the films <clears throat> and the show is... You know, surrealist. It's non-linear. There's all kinds of things going on. Do, do the games follow the same sort of comedy logic, or are they? know like yeah. You said the da- you know they are hard. You know they're damn hard to do. Was that intentional, well, or is it just because it's quite hard to follow? Well, they're uh, they,
1: they're like I was saying the the the, the uh, Flying Circus game is more of a platformer, but uh, Complete Waste of Time, which was also based on Flying Circus, and uh, the Holy Grail game and uh, the Meaning of Life game were all. Um, all a similar thing where there was just a bunch of different things on the screen and you had to click on them and uh, click on things in a certain order or a certain path or whatever and then you get to uh, a mini game that you have to defeat and eventually to solve the game um, I've solved both uh, the complete waste of time and the holy grail game the holy grail game was a little easier Uh, but like I said there were certain requirements you had to fulfill and they used clips of and whatnot to get you to that point. Mm. Um, the uh, the object of the uh, complete waste of time was to find the Spanish Inquisition,
2: <laughs>
1: and then it brought you into like a little maze uh, mini game that you had to negotiate, which in itself was a, a pain in the ass because there was a one or two places where the uh, the track kind of like uh, like rotated and it faced you and in, in the opposite direction, and it would like screw you up. So you had to know where that was. They made it actually a little easy to find, but uh, in that you had to find clues right. and, uh, and a door to get to the next level and uh, like one level had uh, was based around the exploding penguin on the telly um, <laughs> one of my favorite bits um, and uh, see, I can't remember all of them in that one but um, but like I would but like I was saying the uh, complete waste of time the Holy Grail game and the meaning of life were all like that now in um, the um, Monty Python's Flying Circus game, that one was like I was saying, it's it's a it's a combination shoot 'em up slash platformer, I guess. Right. In game, you're Mr. Gumby, and uh, you got to find all the pieces of your brain, and you do that by uh, finding the cans of spam in each level. <laughs> and um, you're, and of course uh, there's a bunch of animation. It was basically animations from the show that you're fighting, uh, you have to shoot down wedges of cheese and mm. stuff like that. And after every level, there was a bonus round, which is based on the argument clinic. <laughs> what? And, um, you would push left on the joystick to say, no, it isn't or right to say, yes, it is. And you had to do the opposite of what, uh, the animated John Cleese was doing. Right.
2: So he would say, yes, it is. Then you would push left. No, it isn't. And so on. And it got faster and faster. And, uh, that was actually kind of clever. I thought. About that. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, that game
0: was really, really hard. Um, were they involved in Were the Pythons actually involved in those games? Or were they sort of just... Uh, do you know if they were just produced by uh, like software companies? Well,
1: I'm pretty sure at the very least... Um, Eric Idle was involved in complete waste of time he might have been involved in all three of uh, those the all three of those games mm. uh i think i don't think any of them were involved in the monty python's flying circus game mm. um I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember I, i'm pretty sure maybe terry jones and i would almost say terry gilliam would have had to have been uh, involved in the in the games based on how much of the animation he had mm. um you know what? That's something I've never really looked into. I do know Eric Idle was involved in, the, in at least complete waste of time because he uh, had lent some voiceover to it, and um, I if they may, maybe. I want to think maybe they were all involved in the last one. Um, of course, I could Google that.
0: Yeah. Uh. It's interesting because I know it's, it's one of those things that sort of you hear it a lot, that you? Sort of. Um... You know things that start off and they go into multimedia or they go into the thing and they sort of lose control or they just end up not being involved and um, you know it sort of becomes that that thing of sort of like a, a, a diluted version. But these actually sound like they're pretty sort of solid versions of uh, of the of, you know of the humor and of their style. Well, yeah,
1: the uh, they. The, um... Uh, oh, here's the Wikipedia on the meaning of life game. Um, yeah, they uh, they tend to they tend to, uh, to to go really close on that, uh, especially the uh, the three games. Um, like I said, because it's basically all um, clips from the um, uh, clips from the shows mm. and the. Um, and there's just so much wackiness involved in the in the flying circus game. In uh, what some scenes, Mr. Gumby is just Mr. Gumby walking around, and some they give him a, a fish body and he's swimming, and others he's given a spring for um, springs for uh, for feet, so he's jumping around. And if I recall correctly, the game starts you at like 90, 999 billion points, and every time you
0: shoot something, your score goes down. Right. <laughs> Fair <laughs> so, enough. It's,
1: uh, so, uh, so that's, uh, oh, well, wow, Wikipedia isn't really helping much there, is it? Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, so, uh, the games were, they're, they're interesting.
3: The,
1: yeah. Um, I did the complete waste of time game. I remember also had a separate floppy disk with, uh, Somani Python's, uh, screen which again, I can't install because I don't have a floppy drive. Yeah. <laughs> who does? Um, I saw a weird video just the other day on, on YouTube from, uh, what is the name of the channel? LGR uh, Lazy Game Reviews. We actually hooked up a floppy drive to his Android phone. Wow. So, uh,
2: yes. So, that was uh, yeah, I I I love all that weird tech stuff.
1: Uh-huh. So, uh, let me see. I'm seeing here if I can find uh, find some information on the uh, who's involved with it, but I am not finding anything.
0: Yeah, it's probably quite I say it's, it's may, may not be the biggest like I say, the biggest thing they've done so it may not be well advertised or well sort of like, you know, say publicised how much they are involved. Um, so you, you know, when you see you get involved as a kid then, so, you know, you were, you, you got exposed to it as a child, it sort of, you know, tickled your funny bones. Mm. Was it something then that you, you know, in your group of friends or as you got older, was it something that you were, had other people you could share that with or was it a, a thing where oh, you... Oh, know, heck yeah. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I... I kind of in the uh, the nerd geek culture from
1: the 80s mm. and we were all about like monty python and uh, and uh what was the uh, the movie uh, airplane right. and uh the naked gun and all of the really really bizarre funny stuff uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy um which at some place here i have the the uh vhs of oh, the original bbc series nice uh, and uh a bit of trivia, David Prowse from uh, – no was it David Prowse? Yeah, I think it was David Prowse who was uh, the body of Darth Vader in Star Wars yes. played uh, a character in that. And, um, of course, my sister got it for me for Christmas for uh, from a garage sale. It didn't have the actual novel. But uh, later on, several years later, she got me the illustrated coffee table edition of Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh, very but, nice. Uh, Oh, yeah, that was really nice. It's like, eh, it's coffee
2: table, but this thing is so nice, I don't want to put it on my coffee yeah, table. So you, yeah, see, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, so, yeah, I mean,
1: we, we were all into, like, that really, really bizarre stuff, uh, Benny Hill, uh, yeah. another one. I just found out recently, buddy Python actually had the movie... Um, and now for something completely different, which I do have as part of the uh, the DVD box set of the Flying Circus, along with one of the two German episodes of the show. Mm. And um, I did not realize that the Benny Hill Show actually also did a movie uh, with that were basically big screen versions of sketches from his show uh, to be released in America. And I just found that out like in the last year or two. And yeah, that, that was. Well, shocked when I found that.
0: Well, that, the thing is, that was a big thing, really, for the uh, if you know in the seventies. I mean, for sketch shows, it you had to be really popular as a sketch show to sort of get it. But uh, it, British sitcoms and British comedy in general, there was if you were sort of in a, the top flight of, the, of those sort of like sitcoms, you were going to get a film. You know, so mm-hmm. everything from like Porridge, Dad's Army, uh, Are You Being Served, On the Buses. I've uh, seen a few episodes of Are You Being Served. I rather like that
1: one, but I have not, that's. I've, I've, I've just got so much stuff
0: to mm. watch
1: that it's just like I have a hard time getting into things.
0: Yeah, but no, it was a real cash cow in the 70s. I'd say it was, a, it was the um, – the, the, to make the movie version. Um, so, yeah, it's, the it's quite I, The way I understand it is they wanted to do the movie uh, for Monty Python, and I imagine the reasoning is pretty much the
1: same for the Benny Hill stuff. Is uh, because they wanted to introduce the United States to Monty Python before they released the show to uh, public television in the United States. So that's uh, the way I understand
0: it. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's. I think that's one of those things. I think a lot of the sitcoms were the same. They'd have like a big screen version that they, you know, shoot off into the world, and it would act then as a sort of platform to then release to sell off the, uh, you know, the, the TV version then to whatever channel was going to pick it up.
1: I think absolutely fabulous was actually the opposite of that. Uh, once the show got popular, because that was on Comedy Central here
0: in mm. the U.S., uh, and
1: then after a while they had the movie for that. I think that's the only show. Well, no, Mister Bean. Mister Bean was yeah, yeah. the same.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, uh, switched, it switched around really in the nineties, I think. And, you know,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the nineties when I was already in my late twenties, early thirties. <laughs> uh, gonna be fifty next month. Wow. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, but, yeah, um, so, um, yeah, I'm a huge fan uh, of Monty Python, and um, i got to tell this story. Um, when me and my wife got married, we made an agreement that uh, if our first child was a daughter, my wife got to name the child, you know, no questions asked.
2: If, yeah. if we had a son, I would get to name our son, no questions asked. Uh,
1: <laughs> uh, well, our first, our first kid was a daughter, and so my wife named her Gretchen. Okay. okay fine and so after whoever lost the bet gets to name the next child regardless you know mm-hmm. to keep it, to keep it. so the next child um okay side note i am actually also so a huge uh, geography buff uh, <laughs> i collect road maps as well oh, and okay. i thought uh and I was originally thinking that I should name our next child, which was a daughter, Alexandria, Virginia. <laughs> well, <laughs> I decided against that and uh, named, named my next child Zita after my grandmother. And then the bet starts all over again. Our next child was a son,
0: so I got the name, no questions asked. So my youngest, his name is Palin Michael. Nice. <laughs> And, of course,
1: when that happened, that was around the time we had a politician by the name of
2: Palin uh, rise to fame in the United States. And I kept having to explain, no, no,
1: not named after that bitch, no. (laughs) uh, That was always fun. But, um, so, yeah, and uh, I keep, you know, just keep, uh, every time I'm watching Monty Python, my son's like, is that Michael Palin? Is that Michael
0: (laughs) 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 so that's always a that's always a fun time. So that's good. That's a, a good. That's a good sign of fandom. That is. That's a strong sign. Yeah. A friend. A friend of mine. In fact, uh, one of my common uh, co-hosts on the show, Mike. His eldest is called Foley uh, after his uh, favorite wrestler, Mick Foley. So, okay. It, it's you know it's it's a it's a good strong uh, tradition I think to be keeping up. The only thing
1: I hate about the names um, that we named our children, Gretchen, Zeta, and Palin, are that if we go to like one of these little touristy-type restaurants that are along the mm. interstate highways or whatever here. They always have the gift shop or they got the little license plates with your kids' names in them. I can't find any for it. of my kids. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so,
0: so, you, know. you just get the but ones hey. that say son or like daughter. Or, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: um,
0: so. So, so what is it then that sort of – it's interesting because, you know, it, it's – I mean, you say it transcends – you know, Python transcends – uh, you know, across the ocean, it's gone to different countries, and like I say, there was the German episodes. It does quite well in parts of Europe. Um, it's interesting. Why do you think that is? What is it, you think, that, that allows it to do that, that, where other comedies and stuff fail? I get, because, like I was saying, I think it's because we see people that you would normally think of as in the prim and
1: proper just being total... Morons, total, you know, total, total silly, and how we think that they are really behind the scenes. Uh, we like seeing our politicians get denigrated. One thing I love about Monty Python, one of the things I love about Monty Python, is that um, they were when it comes to politics. And I used to have a libertarian political podcast at one time. But uh, when it comes to politics, they were they they pulled no punches. They were, oh, yeah. they talked about. Uh, you know, liberal rubbish or money grubbing conservatives, you know, uh, they were never, they were never partial to that. And I think the, uh, the fact that they didn't, you know, really pander to mm-hmm. uh, politics, they just thought of them all as uh, silly, uh, silly assholes. And, um, I think that's, uh, I think that's one of, part of it. I mean, you know, everybody wants to see their, uh, they're their elected leaders. They want to see people that control their lives brought down a peg or two. And I think that's uh, where Monty Python um, excels. What? I mean they, they, they take down the prim and the proper. And uh, we have a, we have Prim and proper here in the United States. It's just uh, maybe a bit different, but I think uh, you know we identify with it just as much, just you know just the cultural differences. And there really aren't that many cultural differences. Uh, between, there might be a few, uh, a few um, differences as far as language. Like I said, it took mm-hmm. me a long time to figure mm-hmm. out what a fair cop meant, <laughs> and uh, there, I know there were a few other things. But uh, I mean, anybody, anybody who saw the Mat Snack Bar in Paynton will instantly recognize the diner in small town. I don't know. Uh, in Illinois, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is only about 50 miles away. Uh, I
0: don't think they have a diner, I think they're even smaller than yeah. that, but uh, but I mean, you know, no, I agree. I, th- I think you're right, I think that's a big part of it. It's that sort of thing of it points a finger at some of the uh, you know, the establishment and the sort of the you know, like you say, the yeah. the government and just, just says it's silly, this is ridiculous, and this is really what we think of it. It is this, it is this daft, um. I mean, one of the things that sort of I, I, I watched a lot of it back recently, just you know, just to get a flavour of it again, and um, watching it again and knowing this was sort of like late sixties, early seventies, especially in Britain, um, the fact that the BBC like let this go year on year for four years is was you know is quite surprising because a lot of their other uh, new you know coverage, especially around comedy, was a lot more conservative. Um, so it's, it's 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 fascinating. So they, they were like leading the pack. They were really pushing the boundaries. And, and uh, from what I understand, they were quite well protected behind the scenes um, to be allowed to do what they did. So um, it is interesting that you know they do they do they transcend because of those things. And I also think you I mean you have to be of a certain type of humor. Um, I've known people that will like you say sit and look at it and go, it's it's silly. It doesn't make sense. There's no punchline. You sort of go, that's sort of the point. You know. <laughs> Well,
1: it's intelligent and silly at the
0: same time, mm. and I think that's what
1: turned. I think that's why it has a lot of uh, why, why I think it works. And I might be one of the few people that might say this, but I think uh, uh, Beavis and Butthead is intelligent and silly at the same time as well, albeit in a different in a different direction. Um, I think that, uh, and, we, and, another, and another thing with Monty Python is it came out in the late started in the late '60s, like mm. '68, when I was born um <laughs> and um what happened is that was uh, the heart of the cult- counterculture movement you know like the hippies the flower mm-hmm. children and all that monty python was cu- counterculture for the upper class
0: yeah that's a really good point it, it still had the counterculture
1: sensibilities and i think that and that also gave it a uh, a larger uh audience um as well because they Saw the same things as the regular counterculture, but they just saw them from a different perspective, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's I mean, you know, the class thing is definitely in there, and I, I, you know, it's, it's, you're right, really. It's not, you know, they, they, there's that word, there is a definite sort of, um, uh, like I say, the counterculture of the, the upper, or the middle classes, rather, sort of, you know, the sort of, uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's a really good point. I like that.
1: Yeah, of course, I'm not the first one to say that,
0: but
1: yeah. uh, you know, I've read it, I've read it, I've read it somewhere, and I'm, I had to think about it. I'm like it, the perfect makes perfect sense, you know.
0: It really does, yeah. Especially for the time. I mean, um, it, you know, it, it's, it's the birth of the alternative alternative comedy as well, because you know they've got mm-hmm. um, when you look at their legacy. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, no one, no one sort of replaces Python, but there's so much that's influenced by it. Um, even up to today, really. I mean, you know, you you saw it all through the all through the '80s. There were lots of alternative comics that did characters and sketch shows that came through all the way into the '90s over here. So, yeah, and you know,
1: I don't I don't know if you could get away with really doing something as counterculture like that in this day and age, because you'll get like the uh, um, I keep track a little bit about what's going on in the UK, mostly over here, but. I mean, you get all the fake news and people like Mm -hmm. trying to censor. I think the real last counterculture uh, comedy show that I can really think of off the top of my head, and I know uh, there's probably going to be others, but I'm going to go with what I know, would be um, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Mm -hmm. Uh, That show had a lot of counterculture influences. I know you guys had it over there for a while. I don't don't know. um, Yeah, it's
0: all on Netflix. It's all on Netflix now, so so it's, it's great to see it. Uh, and yeah. Let's say this about Monty
1: Python versus Mystery Science Theater. I think Monty Python uh, versus Mystery Science Theater. I mean, obviously different show concepts, but I think Monty Python transcends international boundaries better because uh, there aren't as many pop culture references, and I think that's one thing that hurts Mystery Science Theater from getting a larger audience mm. overseas. Because I mean, there's one episode where they show an airplane landing, and one of them, one of them. Uh, uh, chimes out goes john sununu goes for a haircut <laughs> it, it, who knows i mean we, i know who john sununu is and i know about the scandal of him taking airplanes just to go to his hometown in texas yeah you know, private you know government airplanes to go to, to get a haircut i mean how many people overseas are familiar with that um so monty python i think it, really shied away from a lot of that. they poked a lot of fun at the royals but i mean a lot of people over here in the united states Know all about the royals,
0: though. so yes. they kept and, uh, it quite. It was quite broad in that respect, as yes, I like say. it yes. is accessible, and I think you're right. I, I think you know the equivalent. I was thinking in my head of other sketch shows and things that have come along since. I don't know if you've heard. There was one in the sort of uh, late '90s. I think it went to the early 2000s, and in, in over here, it was called the Fast Show, and it was. No, uh i not heard of that one. Uh, it was. It was basically a sketch show, but it was like you say. It was very similar to. Repetitive characters that sort of came up, up again. You yeah, look Paul Whitehouse and a lot of others that did it, but that was very similar. Of you know, like it was do- it was done for a punchline, but it was sort of non-linear. It was very fast. It was very punchy. Um, and, and as long as we're talking about this, I mean, we can't talk about Monty
1: Python without talking about uh, Saturday Night Live over here in the United States. There was a lot of crossover oh, between yes. both shows. Um, the you know John Cleese, Eric Idle. Uh, Michael Palin all hosted uh, hosted episodes of Saturday Night Live. Uh, they both worked on, um, I believe, The Ruddles. Mm. Uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of. I think John Belushi was in that as, long as well as a few others, and uh, there was a lot of friendships between the cast of the original cast of Saturday Night Live, which is still going on some, somehow, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Monty Python, and
0: um, no, and I can and completely they, they were understand both that. But
1: groundbreaking counterculture shows yeah and they both saw it and they both got together and um well Chevy Chase uh, uh worked with uh, Eric Idle in uh, European Vacation mm. uh, movie Chevy Chase what used to be on Saturday Night Live um I remember there was one episode of Saturday Night Live and I think it was Eric Idle was the host and when he got up to do the monologue he was brought in he was tied to down Uh, to a board and he had said he had gotten into like this huge accident or whatever, but that wasn't going to, um, you know, it was like a stretcher thing and it wasn't going to affect his performance on the show. And so for the, uh, for the, uh, Oh God, what the hell was it? It was, um, he was like doing impersonations and he had two people picking up the board and they held him upside down and he was holding like propellers or something. And it was like, uh, it was like some great airplane disaster he was impersonating. And if I recall the episode
2: correctly, Every sketch, he was attached to the stretcher,
1: <laughs> of thing. And I'm like, how brilliant was that? Uh, I gotta see. I might be wrong on, on on that, but I, but I know he was attached to a stretcher at the very least for the monologue, and it was it was brilliant. They worked together brilliantly, and I think. Whereas I was saying, mystery science theater failed because it may it may fail in other countries because of the reliance on pop culture. Um, Saturday Night Live relied on it to a lesser degree. And I think there was a lot of great, um, and that's why Monty Python and the original Saturday Night Live cast worked well together mm-hmm. is because they, there wasn't as much reliant on pop culture at the very least pop culture that wasn't easily identifiable, um, you know, over, over, overseas as it were.
0: Yeah. You're right. Like I think it's not, it's not. Pop culture, but it's very culture based. It's society based, and like you say, that's a lot more easily accessible because, you know, yeah, working class. You can make some joke about a Yorkshireman, you know, um, having to travel ten miles in in snowy boots, or you know, and then having to dig coal before he even woke up. That sort of thing. That, but then, you know, but there'll be still working class in America that probably not doing exactly the same activities, but you can relate to the argument of, you know. Competing to be who was poorest, or oh yeah, you, you, I guess you're bringing up the the four Yorkshiremen. Sketch. Yes. Any nursing home in the United States, you'll get four grumpy guys, one of which will probably
1: be my dad. Yeah. Uh, talking about, <laughs> or like one-upping other people about how how bad they had it. I mean, and everybody can relate to that. I don't care where you are. If you're in, I don't know, say South Africa or in Japan or in Russia or or wherever, every culture's got a version of that.
0: Yes. Yeah. And That's what's so brilliant about it is that they they are silly, and there are ones that sort of you know don't always land. But there's others that just sort of like through and through are just just sort of observations of uh, people, really, but just in a sort of an off kilter in an off kilter manner. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, it's observation, it's observational comedy. Yeah,
1: uh, for the most part, and um, and observational comedy that doesn't rely on pop culture. Is a formula for success. I think that's why uh, the comedian, stand-up comedian George Carlin, lasted so mm. long. He really didn't do too much about pop culture, but he did a lot about culture. Mm. Um, and I think that uh, that helped him become one of the. Uh, I, I believe Comedy Central did a thing about the best or the best stand-up comedians. Uh, well, you know, American centric. Yeah. But uh, and George Carlin was number two behind Richard Pryor.
0: Yeah, yeah, and rightfully so. And, uh, you know, even, even I'm, I'm you know, as a Brit, I'm, I loved uh, George Carlin. He, he, you know, I introduced to him about the same time as Bill Hicks, and uh, you know, it, they they do they travel they travel both ways. It's, it's you know over here, I think others that were influenced by um, that sort of you know cultural or social other culture you get like Billy Connolly. Um, and uh, you know, more recent, you go there's like Michael McIntyre that sort of they can channel into a situation that anywhere in the world they can go. Oh yeah, my family does that, or my friends do that, and it's like you say,
1: Did you see? You mentioned Billy. Con- you mentioned Billy Connolly. Did you see the movie Fido?
0: Yes. That is. That was.
1: That. That is. In my opinion, that movie, uh, Billy Connolly playing, of course, the uh, the titular
0: zombie yeah. in the film. In my opinion, that movie is
1: what if Monty Python got a hold of the zombie genre.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's. I think you know. I I often think that, that, like you know, yeah, you've got your Terry Gilliam films, which I'm a big fan of a lot of them. But there are other films. Two monkeys is the only movie I bought uh,
1: on uh, well on VHS. You can tell how old how long ago it was that I had seen like only 15 minutes of it on television. I'm like, I turned the TV off and went right out to the store and bought the movie.
0: Yeah. Only
1: movie I did that with.
0: And there's, yeah, and it's, it's it's but there are so many others that like you say that you can see that have sort of accessed into that idea of, um, uh-huh. you know, the, the the zaniness and stuff, But yeah, Foyle is great. I think Billy Connolly one of my favorite stand up comedians. Um, I've, I've I've tried to listen to him a little bit.
1: Um, no,
0: no offense or anything. I do uh, have a hard time with thicker accents. Yeah.
1: Uh, so <laughs> kind of you know yeah. You know. I'm an American, you know. I'm one of those dirty
2: Americans that eat McDonald's every day, which is actually really not far from the truth. Yeah. But,
1: <laughs> but yeah, so I mean,
0: it's, not, when, no, yeah, it's only, I know when, that, when especially I, yeah. I've heard of him? I do like yeah. Early, um, early, early Billy, early Billy is uh, the Rama. Even as a even as a Brit, like he's Scottish and his accent can be quite thick. There are times when you just go, I can't understand that joke. I'll ride past that one. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of.
1: I'm trying to think of British stand-up comedians that I've enjoyed. I know there's some, but I can't think of any off the top of my head.
0: They come and go, and that's the thing with the the British stand-ups. They're very much of a time, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, There was one I saw
1: recently where... um, Oh, gosh. I'm drawing a blank. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm drawn in black, uh, uh, and, and like the average stereotypical American, I'm offensive. So yeah.
0: <laughs> that's no—that's what this says. You, if, if, you, if you listen to my other hosts, they're all—we're all the same. There's always going to be something yeah. offensive going on. And you know what? And that's something else. Um,
1: something else. I've been mean, talking about offensive. I mean, in this day and age, in. Um, and John Cleese uh, has actually recently said something about this, about he he didn't think doesn't think that
2: Monty Python could be done today mm-hmm. because of uh, because people are just getting offended, get
1: offended way too easily. Uh, a lot of American comedians are like that: uh, Chris Rock, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Um, there's 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 a few others that have expressed that. And I think the only people here in the United States that really gets uh, away with it. Um, and oh well, thinking about Monty Python and and people that were inspired by it, but. Uh, uh, the guys who do South Park, uh, yes. probably the only ones that get away with it. And even they have had their issues where they couldn't show, uh, you know, couldn't show an image of Mohammed on the show. Um, and yeah. now we're getting into things there but, but, I mean, John Cleese is all up in arms about not being able to... Uh, about being in a society where you can't offend anyone and I just watched a thing from uh, Rowan Atkinson uh, just yesterday as a matter of fact from uh, 2012 where he was talking in front of Parliament I think it was about uh, a, a censorship thing and he was basically going out and saying comedy has to be offensive you have to be allowed to offend people
0: That's part of it. I uh, totally agree with it. and this is the thing I mean there's because there's, um, Rowan Atkinson was part of a troupe uh, a, a little bit after Monty Python again easily easily clearly influenced called not uh, we uh, not the 9 o'clock news and um, yeah, I've, heard of, I've heard of that I've never seen that but I have heard of that I highly recommend it it's really good and Ron Atkinson was part of it and it's sort of like you know pre bean pre black adder and um, he does a black sketch Hatter, that's the show I've seen him on yes I and I, never, I I love I used to watch uh, Black Adder and I loved that show. He is hilarious. Oh, he's amazing! And again, Ren Atkinson, a fantastic com- you know comedian, and he did a sketch where he he uh, I'm sure, I'm gonna get it, might get it wrong, but he was pronouncing, he was doing a, the same line but in different accents, and he was That's doing it as if he <laughs> was educating, you know, like as, a, as a teacher kind of thing. Um, and like you say, you watch <laughs> it, and it's hilarious how he does it. But you think okay, you do you, you do think that would not fly if they kinda oh, yeah. did that now? And you think thinking of that sketch it reminds me of my favorite Monty Python sketch.
2: I'm sure we were going to get here at some point, but uh, the Dirty Hungarian Phrasebook. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, it, it's offensive, and it's it's basically doing what you're saying there about
0: with the different accents uh, in a in a different sort of roundabout way, and uh, but it, it was brilliant. <laughs> but uh, you're right. though, I mean, the one I just I've just, sort of just watched the first season, sort of very much through, like, you know, the last week, so. And there's one in that they're in a restaurant, and it's how people react to a fly in the soup. And they're like, "Here's the British, here's the French, here's the Italians," <laughs> and it gets more and more elaborate until sort of like you know they're throwing themselves over a table and. Uh, oh, the, the dirty, uh, the dirty fork. Yeah, the, yeah. There's the dirty, the dirty, the dirty fork, fork as well. And now the punchline. Yeah. Glad we didn't think about the dirty knife. <laughs> yeah, um, but there's one where they say. There's a they do a fly in the soup, and it's like, and here's how Germans would handle it. And he pulls out, like, a Luger and shoots it and then sort of makes some, like, you know, off-comment about... And it's just like, oh, my God, like, you know, it's hilarious, but... I Oh, gosh. I saw this
1: one stand-up comedian on uh, The Tonight Show back when Johnny Carson was on it here in the United States, and he was talking about how different... He's talking about uh, different languages, which... Uh, uh, and he was like... He's like, German is a really violent language. For example, I love you in... Uh, in French, it's Je t'aime. In Italy, it's
2: "l'amore." In German, it's <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. And the thing is, like I say that, like, that, and that's a similar thing that these, these comedians were doing. But if like you say if you do that on stage or in performance now, that like, there'd be someone to be like that. That's you know, I'm offended. On, they're, they're never offended. I'm not going to get also you know up on arms about social justice worries or everything, but. They have a place, and, and, and you know they are right to a degree, but I, I actually had I had a debate with someone I know recently, and they were talking about this as a TV show. So I'm very offended by that. So well, why are you offended by that? Oh, because it'll it upset it could upset someone of that ethnic origin. I like, and I was like, so you're actually you're actually what? Well, so you're going to defend them, but you, you're not offended though. But you're so you're you're offended on their behalf because you want to be seen as righteous. And it, it, it sort yep. of, I was like, mm, then in that case, then like you say, you become, too, you're going to, be, it's a dangerous slippery slope then. You know, it, and I think there is, there is one distinction
1: that should be brought up. I mean, comedy has to be offensive. I, I think yep. we agree on that, but I think totally. there's also a thing about being
0: offensive and respectful mm. and, and versus
1: being offensive
2: just to be
0: offensive. Yeah, I agree, and there's, there's, there are differences, and that's why there are certain things I wouldn't accept anymore. So, for example, I don't know if you know Spike Milligan. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, the comedian. Uh, yeah. there, there was a TV show called uh, "Till Death Do Us Part" uh, with Alf Garnett, and in that, Spike Milligan uh, like blacked up to be to be an Asian character, uh, like an Indian <laughs> character, for an Indian. On many occasions, and. Um, to me i was like all right that's actually you know and then to do the whole thing like that to me i'm like okay that's a bit far (laughs) you know that wouldn't fly now but there are other things i think that still you could do or should be able to do and let's be honest about
1: monty python too i mean they had their moments uh there was one uh, there was one sketch they did they were like a uh, like a place where you listen to records and one of them was listening to one and they were saying uh, Rhodesia, kill the blacks, kill them, <laughs> all in the background. Uh, there was uh, one character um, where, uh, let's see, what was the sketch? It was the two, the two, uh, two Pepperpots were talking, and their son comes home. They treat him like a little baby, uh, but he's, uh, but he's like a member of parliament. <laughs> and oh, such a good little baby, do you want to? Rattle? And uh, the one character in that, and uh, I don't like saying this, but the one character in that sketch is named Mrs. Niggerbader. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so they've, they've had their things, and you could get away with that back then. Yeah, you couldn't get away with it now, and I'm sure that if you talked, maybe talked to the Pythons, they probably would have said, yeah, that probably wouldn't, wouldn't have been a good idea. But as we all know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. And uh, there is something to be said for judging uh, the past based on today's standards.
0: Well it's, it's a bit like we said about the distance thing again it's all relative Yeah. you know so so and I'm not saying again I'm not saying it's right but I'm saying there were social norms and social um, um, just I say social norms and social levels that you you know you could do you would do things like that and in that day and age in 19, between 1969 and 1974 you could say those things and people would would laugh. And they were, let's be honest, they were looking to make people laugh. They were, you know, they were trying to be a bit edgy. So it was, it, 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 in 70, you know, in the seventies, I'm not saying it's, I say it was not right to do it now, it's not right. It wasn't right to do it then, Mm -hmm. but it was more accepted. We've learned. Yeah, exactly.
1: Over the course of time, we've learned. You know, and you chalk it up to that, but I still don't think, you know, people should be censoring stuff like that, too, which in and of itself is another topic. Mm. I remember they used to show all the old Bugs Bunny cartoons on CBS Network here in the United States, and they left everything in. Then the Bugs Bunny cartoons moved to the ABC Network, and all the violence was taken out of it. Like, how can you enjoy Bugs Bunny without violence? It's not like I'm going to go out and drop an anvil on someone's head tomorrow, you
0: know? No, it's true. It's the same with like Tom and Jerry. that My daughter's a big fan of Tom and Jerry. Uh, she's five, and she thinks the Tom and Jerry cartoons are hilarious. But at yeah, no point, but at no point is she going to start chasing a mouse around and trying to, like, you know, trying to squash it with an iron. It's, it's. Yeah. She she gets at five. She gets that it's silly in a cartoon. I, we don't give. I, we're going, I, I
1: mean, Whenever you talk to me, it's tangent, Phil. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> we we. Uh... I don't think we give kids enough credit for just dis- for being able to distinguish between reality and f- fantasy. And you know I, I think kids are a lot smarter than what uh, us grown-ups think they are.
0: Oh no, I grown-ups. agree. For uh, say so we we have uh, recently just been to like a theme park and that's what it's a holiday. So she, you know, we've just been to a theme park recently and there were some characters there and you know uh, my wife and I were like, "Oh, you know, look at those, look at the hugs. Yeah, you know, do you want to go meet them?" And in all seriousness, she just pointed, she turned to us and was like, they're not real, that that's people in <laughs> that, that's people in suits. Yep. As if like we didn't get it, and you're like, oh, all right, well, all right, well, okay, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, yep. Oh, definitely. And so you're right. I think you know you 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 watch TV shows, cartoons today, and they're just the same. You, you you've got to give yeah. kids more credit, I think. To yeah, and
1: let's just be honest. I watched Monty Python when I was a
0: little kid, and I turned mm. out fine. So to yeah, speak. maybe I don't know. It's all relative again. Demandum. It's all relative. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think so. Let's jump into this. so what. What are your favorite sketches then? When you think of that, what jumps to your mind as the favorite? What the ones that uh, jump out regularly? Well, I mentioned the dirty Hungarian phrase book. Mm-hmm. Uh, that
1: was the big one. Um, the Tutor job agency is uh, is brilliant. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to mention the dead parrot sketch because that, that's kind of cliche in this day and age. I mm. think everybody knows that one and loves that one. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that that sketch actually has like six, separate different endings, depending <laughs> on <of> which media you're <laughs> watching it from. Uh, my favorite one is uh, where the guy goes into the parrot shop. I said I wasn't going to mention it. Look what I'm doing. Uh, the guy goes into the parrot shop and he's like, uh, and John Cleese is like, I want to complain about this parrot What I purchased not off an hour ago from this very boutique. Oh, the, no, we blue. What's wrong with it? I'll tell you what's wrong with it, my lad. It's dead. That's what's wrong with it. And then Michael Payne looks at it and goes, You're right. Here's a refund. Here's some money for a... a th- <laughs> <laughs> on the and then on the way out, John Cleese looks at the looks at the audience and says, You can't tell me Margaret Thatcher hasn't improved the country. <laughs> 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 I, mean, uh-huh. I, I love that particular ending. And then there's another one where he's like... um. Uh, where he, at the end of the sketch, uh, Michael Palin
2: was like, do you want to come back to my place? And yeah. was like, you never? <laughs> Which
1: they seem to do that every, they seem to do that uh, punchline on yeah. the sketches. Um, uh, then of course there's the fish slapping dance,
0: the most insane 10 seconds ever put the film. Yeah. <laughs> I love that
1: one man My kids love that one Sometimes I'll just watch it Over and over and over
0: That one must Is that because he ends up In the canal doesn't he Actually Yeah
1: he did He fell into the canal And I guess from what I understand It was like really really
0: cold Because it must have been
1: It was was either deeper Than he thought it was Or more more shallow I think it was more shallow Than he
0: thought (laughs) it was going (laughs) And And that must have hurt as well Because like you say He's he's giving him I mean it's not like a a thwack But still Being hit by a wet fish Can't be Can't be fun we go back to
1: the, back to the um, universality of, of Monty Python. as yeah. a word. I mean, who 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 here hasn't said they've wanted to hit somebody? You know, like that <laughs> in such a silly way. Everybody can relate to the fish slapping
0: dance. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Um, let me think. I'm trying to think of some of the
1: other uh, some of my other favorite sketches. Uh, oh, Spam, of course. Mm. Uh, uh, that's uh, that's obviously a great one. Um, Oh yeah! At the uh, at, in the be- in, uh, middle of the rounds in the Monty Python's Flying Circus game, it counts up all of the uh, spam eggs, sausages, mm-hmm. and beans that you've collected, and it's spam beans
2: sausage
0: spam, <laughs>
1: just like that. And when it tallies up your bonus points, that's
0: pretty awesome. Uh, gosh, um, Terry. i was so say so Terry. Much... Terry is sort of like yeah, nagging wife voice is is. Uh... Is brilliant. I've always like, Yeah, when he does his spam, and also like say when he does in um, uh, her, her life of Brian, um, oh. he's yeah he's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Just the, the Terry Jones female voice is magnificent. There's like. some lovely there's some lovely filth down here.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's dope. Yeah, I, love, I like Terry Jones's voice. It's uh, sad what's uh, what's happening with him. Mm. With, uh, the dementia uh coming on in that uh, i guess uh michael palin's been spending a lot of time with them lately helping them out and that. so that's 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 pretty awesome that they still have uh, have these uh these friendships going on you hear a lot of you know groups or whatever breaking up and there's a lot of bitterness yeah i guess there might have been a little bit at some point with monty python but uh, they all came back and they're you know still work with each other and that but um
0: yeah, definitely. I have said that the friendship seems to have sort of survived over the years, and I know they've dipped yeah, in I mean, obviously, work, John you know. Cleese
1: left uh, before season four because mm. he thought
0: they were eating, and somebody came right
2: back for the movies. Yeah, yeah,
1: and, uh, and that. Um, oh, there was uh, there was another sketch that I loved. Uh, oh, of course, there's the, the penguin on the television. <laughs> and one thing I've started doing in the last couple of years, when I get uh, when I get. Not when I when I get uh, when I get panicked or nervous or something and I'm around my kids or whatever I'll just yell out Burma.
2: <laughs> 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 that
1: was I guess that was totally ad
2: libbed.
1: That yeah. <laughs> was
0: script from what I understand. What I always wonder about that. I actually I actually wonder about that. Like so when you watch it and that goes for the films and the show. Like how much of it is ad libbed? Like. Yeah. Well, you know, because I know they, they spent hours scripting, but then how much have they gone actually? While we're on set, like someone's done something, they've gone. That's perfect. Let's let's keep that one.
1: The way I understand it is, uh, they really didn't do much ad libbing. They stuck to the
3: scripts because it was uh, just their uh, their their professional training, I guess. Mm. Um, oh yeah. One other thing I forgot
1: to say uh, earlier is uh, I was at a discount store in the area several years ago, and I actually found. Uh, a DVD of um, Do Not Adjust Your Set and At Last, the
3: 1948
1: show. Mm. uh, Which uh, the Pythons came from those two shows. And um, there were some really great sketches on the... uh, I wasn't as huge a fan of the uh, Do Not Adjust Your Your Set. But I really did love At Last, the 1948 show. It also had uh, Marty Feldman Mm. in that. And um, there was a great show which actually turned into a sketch for python it was um it was a game show i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but uh it turned into the game show sketch I'm on a python spot in the brain cell um, <laughs> i'll offer you a punch in the teeth i'll <laughs> offer you a boot in the shins and a dagger up the strap oh <laughs> oh and then oh then there's the uh the um, um Craig Pot religion sketch Oh, you had your eye on the, the tea trolley. Well you've won tonight Star Pride, the entire Norwich City Council. <laughs> and that sketch has that bit has the greatest punchline. I've got
2: one already <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I die laughing every time with that
0: one. <laughs> now, yeah. Of course there's Mice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is, this is the problem with the Monty Python stuff. Like you say, you go down a rabbit hole and you're just like, oh, and then there's that one. Oh, yes. and then there's that one. Because like, I'm the same. Next sort thing of like... you know you've quoted every, every sketch and... from
1: every episode of the show and many of the
0: movies. And that's it. And, it, you know, my mind's racing already. You think, like, oh, yeah, I love this one. I love that one. It's, it's, they're so good. And, like you say, there's the cliched ones that, um, you know, yeah. the, the things always jump out of his quotes. But there's always so many more. Um, but, but, but like I was saying before, I mean the uh, the dead parrot sketch is
1: fairly cliche, but with the different endings, they did find a way to actually keep it fresh. Yes. So so uh, that was always that was always uh, neat to see.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's one's I you know um, for me the one that for some reason I go back to it I don't know why is the funniest joke, and they, oh yes, they, and they weaponize they weaponize a joke which I find it's just so good it's, it goes on and on and it's just hilarious. <laughs> and somebody
1: actually did a literal translation of what the joke was, and they it was it was it was basically all gibberish. But they they translated it closely to what uh, the German sounds were, and it
2: was gibberish in German. It was gibberish in yeah. English. <laughs>
1: so. I, I love the the German attempt. There was two peanuts walking down the strasse. One was assaulted, peanut. Ho ho ho. <laughs> and then suddenly peace broke out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was something else at the show. The way they took a little phrase, it just turned it around like that. You
0: know? Well, that's what I'm saying, like each one, like I, say, like I say, sometimes the punchline at the end is sort of just out of nowhere. And it is, it's like a little slap in the face of like, well, we're moving on now. So forget that one. This is, the, you know, this happened. Um, <laughs> Oh, and then what was the one sketch,
1: um, we're, the, the guy was a guy was at home and he got a letter from the BBC they wanted him to be in a sketch and um, and then uh, he the sketch starts and Eric Idle walks up and he starts selling uh, like door to door selling like practical jokes and then at the end of it Eric was like punchline punchline <laughs> and, and uh, I think it was Michael Panel's was like punchline they didn't tell no it was uh, I think it was Terry, was it Terry Jones I don't remember off the top of my head, but he's like, nobody told me anything about a punchline. And then he goes off, and then Eric Idle's like, oh, well, then good day. And then he's like, punchline. And then he goes to John Cleese, uh, you should tell me anything about a punchline. Punchline. Uh, hold on a second. Is this series two? Uh, no, this is series three. Oh. Oh.
2: <laughs> oh. Oh. What a great, great punchline. Uh, <laughs> pity we missed that. Uh,
1: never mind. We'll make a series out of it. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, are you gonna give me a lift home? Uh, can do, but won't. Oh, yeah. Um, we need your head for a piece of animation. Oh, jolly good, jolly good, boys. The <laughs> <Yeah>. up, <laughs> put it in the animation. <laughs> Even when they couldn't end the sketch properly, they they found a way around it. That one was brilliant.
0: And that's that's the other thing as well. Like I said, the ingenuity of it doesn't yes. have to end on a full stop. It it can end it can end on anything, and it just like okay. That's that's how we're gonna get out of this. I feel because I feel the same about the um, uh, Holy Grail. You know, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, mm-hmm. and he sort of it comes to that ending, and they're all getting spoilers. They're getting arrested and stuff, and you go, "Well, that's bizarre." But you say I, actually, it makes total sort of in a, a weird way, it makes total sense. In you know, in a weird way, I do have to say that's the weakest part of the movie. They, I think, yes. they could have done a little bit
3: better of an ending, but I understand what they were going for. It, yeah.
0: And, I, and let's be fair too, though. Uh, there was really going to be no easy way to end that movie. No, it's. Um, I remember the first time I watched it. Of the concept and
1: the humor. Yeah. So I give them credit for at least you
0: know trying that. It's the thing I like, say. I remember watching it the first time, watching it and thinking exactly that. They're like, I'm not sure how this is going to end. I don't know what they get, what they're building to. <laughs> Um, and something else I need to talk about too with the transitions. Um,
1: as I was saying, uh, when I first watched Monty Python, it was on public television here in the Chicago area, mm. and um, no, you know, no commercials or whatever. They had the fundraising drives and whatever, but you know, there were no commercials. Later on, in the '90s and the early 2000s, uh, the cable network channel A&E started broadcasting uh, the Flying Circus, and the thing with the flow of the show, the sketch would end, but it would immediately go into the next sketch or into an animation to transition over. And, and there was a real, like, there was like a, a cohesive. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I had the word in my head, but I mean, there was, there was like a cohesion. There was like a, it was, there was like a flow, you know, mm-hmm. from, it was like one story, so to speak in a way. And um, when the show came on A&E, In the U.S. here, um,
2: they had to put in commercial breaks, and it broke the flow of the show. Yeah, and
1: I—if I see it on television, I'll look to see if it's on public television first, and if it is, I'll watch it. Um, because you know it's it will retain the flow, but if it's on a commercial
0: channel, I mean, it's not worth watching because the momentum gets broken. No, I agree. Actually, I totally agree with that. Yeah,
1: yeah, you need the momentum in the show, and that's that's what the transitions. Uh, do best for the show. I mean, they take you from one, uh, like I said, I mean, it's it's like a cohesive whole in a way. It's not telling the same story, Mm. but, you know, it's a, a cohesive... Narrative—that's what I'm looking for, so
0: to speak. Yeah. No, you're right. No, I don't, I don't envy. I, yeah, I don't envy anybody that's trying to put a break in in one of those shows. I mean, for example, the one I watched. Um, you know, it's just springing to my head now, there's one they do. They, you know, they've got like the Talking Heads. So they do a sketch, and they'd have some Talking Heads commenting on it, and it'd be like, you know, oh, yeah. uh, dressed as a woman oh. and then just as a northern man or whatever. And there was one where they all talk comments on it, and it keeps popping up to uh, John Cleese dressed, dressed as a uh, as a policeman, and Holly kept saying is. Uh, well, I'm I'm going to be in the next sketch. Uh, yes. you'll, you'll see me in a couple of moments, and I shall be in the <laughs> next sketch. And then it keeps another popped head, and he comes back to him. And he's like, "Well, I'm still here, and uh, but I'm going to be in the next sketch. So uh, stick around, stick around." And the next sketch starts, and he walks in. And he's like, "Hello," <laughs> and then carries on. <laughs> and you're just like, "Oh, all right. Well, that's that's a you know, like you say, but with if you had to have an advert in there or a break or whatever, it like you say, it, it breaks that that joke just falls flat then because you've lost that momentum." Yes.
1: Uh, that having been said, I think it works better in that, uh, regard than most of the other sketches, but it still breaks it mm-hmm. um, because you can kind of sort of break that a little bit, but, but it's, it's still, it's still, it's, it's still, uh, it still, um, interrupts the continuity. Oh, that's the word I was looking for. Continuity. Yes. Um, But, um, oh, man, the letters. (laughs) (laughs) Dear sir, I wish to complain in the strongest possible terms about the song which you have just broadcast about the lumberjack who wears women's clothes. Many of my best friends are lumberjacks and only a few of them are of states. Yours, faithfully, Brigadier Sir Charles, are the strong missus. (laughs) P.S. I have never kissed the editor of the Radio Times.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's, going back to that thing again, like just poking that fun at constant. Even the army, I love the fact that they do one where they keep using this man's... It's be like this man's army or like you know man's life in the army, and they it's have the. Like man's bridge. life in the modern army. That's it, and they just oh keep going, No, 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 no! Stop that! Won't be using that oh, again.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> um,
1: oh gosh! Another one of my favourite sketches is uh, there's the uh, the episode where um, they had the man that speaks entirely
2: in anagrams. And they use the anagrams as a threat throughout the whole episode. <laughs> and uh, they they go to
1: the sketch that says, uh, to the Army Recruitment Office, but it says Mary. Uh, Graham Chapman walks out, looks around both ways, then he goes back into the office, he starts the sketch, and then something hits him, he goes back out and sees that the sign says Mary. And he changes the anagram to Army. And he takes a look to his right and goes, Shut off! And there's a whole line of nuns!
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's you know what, as a whole. I think that's probably my favorite my favorite episode. Yeah, uh, blood devastation, death, war, and horror. Mm. <laughs> and tomorrow we'll have somebody on the show who does gardening. <laughs> I mean, first of all, first of all, and tomorrow we'll have somebody on our show that does gardening. I mean, that's fine at all for the show
2: title, but the fact that he emphasizes the word "does" yeah, <laughs> <laughs> What do they getting at with that?
1: If they wouldn't have emphasized the word "does" there, it wouldn't have been as funny.
0: And that's it, isn't it? Like you said, that they've got their timing and their oh yeah, um, and their like I said, the emphasis, the, the the kicker is is spot on, like And I think that's the thing, like you said, they stick to the scripts because they've worked this out. All right. of, it, it feels like madness on screen, like it feels like chaos. But they have worked at this. They've tested that line out probably 50 different ways of like, here's, oh, where, you yeah. put, here's where you put the emphasis. Is it funny though if I put it here or if I do this or I do that or if I do it with my eyebrow raised or whatever, like I'm sure they've tested that line out like, you know, so many different yeah. ways, see if it works. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, that's oh, what I'd love yeah. to see. I'd love to see, like, you know, and the, 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 they must not exist, but... Like rehearsal tapes of them behind the scenes, like you know, getting ready or like tech, like writing some of this, just to see what the process was for them to create some of what these. Did you sketches. hear the news recently? Oh, the uh, lost sketches and stuff. Of, yeah. About the, yeah, uh, uh, Michael Palin donated a lot of uh, a lot
1: of uh, of his writings and stuff to like the, the British Archives or, mm. or or whatever you have there, and uh, there was a lot of undone python sketches and that stuff and i'd like to really see some of that stuff it's got to be some obviously there's got to be a reason a lot of the stuff is rejected um or as uh or as weird al said in the uh, in the deleted sections of the movie uh, uhf you know why these scenes are deleted because they
0: suck yeah <laughs> so maybe that's why they were <laughs> there's a reason but, you probably uh, haven't seen them know. but yeah you know they, they just didn't have time to do them You know, maybe uh, not
1: all of them thought, all of the Pythons thought that they were good to include. Mm. Maybe that the show just ran out of, you know, they just ran out of uh, time. Maybe they just all got tired of the show. I mean, that's why John Cleese wasn't in the fourth season. He thought they were repeating themselves.
0: Um, Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what's in there. And I said, if they're going to get submitted uh, to the... Uh, archives, the British Archives, they'll be available for public knowledge, so they will, or for public viewing. So they will be out there soon enough. You know, give it a couple of months, and someone will, someone will probably put them on somehow, copy them up or whatever. So I can, I cannot
1: wait to read that.
0: Yeah, um, that'd be interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, if they ever publish that as a book, I'll get that and add it to my stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, Pre-ordered. Pre-ordered. I, I have the,
1: I have the complete waste of time books. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the Monty Python and the Holy Grail script book. And uh, the first two hundred years of Monty Python by Howard Kim Johnson, who I understand is actually from Chicago. Um, oh, and one other movie I don't have—I don't have uh, Hollywood Bowl.
3: Mm. I don't, and I don't really count the uh, Secret Policeman Balls because those were just a bunch of
0: those were those were not just Monty Python; those were other comedians too. But, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I, I've seen the stage shows, but like I always say I'm not. I'm not beholden to them. I haven't got those on uh, DVD or Blu-ray or anything. So, But the films yes, I'm, I'm a big fan bo- of. I, you
1: know what? I might have Hollywood Bowl. That might be in my box set. I have to double-check that, which means I probably won't.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: On <laughs> my podcast, whenever we talk about something in a video game and it's like something I didn't realise, I'm like, oh, I'll have to check that out. And my yeah. co-host goes, you're not going to, are you? I'm like, yeah, pretty pretty
0: much not. P- probably not. Yeah, <laughs> Probably not. We're on the same as well, we, we, you know, like we do topics, like things come on. We'll have to do a show about that. And it, it goes on the list, but we're always like, that list is getting incredibly long. <laughs> right, well, well, with that then, we'll, we'll, we'll look to, to wrap up. But uh, thank you very much for your time. And, and before we go, so... Because if you were to recommend um, one season, uh, one, two, three or four, which one would you recommend? If someone had to go out and someone watch one as a... I would,
1: that's tough. I definitely wouldn't recommend season four mm. uh, because uh, John Cleese was not involved in this. Well, I mean, they gave him credit for writing, but he wasn't actually an actor in the show. Oh, and, and actually, um, oh, God, the hell is his name? I can't the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy author. Um,
0: Douglas Adams.
1: Douglas Adams actually was credited as a writer in the fourth season um, of the show. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I wouldn't recommend the fourth. I'd, I'd probably say the second. Mm. I'd probably say the second is the is the highlight where most of the stuff comes, most of the, the, the famous things that you know Monty Python for comes in. Uh, after that, I'd probably recommend the second half of season one.
0: Okay, yes.
2: But if we're going to... Watch the whole damn thing. (laughs) Yeah, just
0: watch them all. Just watch it all. Watch watch them all. But if you have to start somewhere, start with the second season. Okay, so two things first before we go. Then two last things to wrap up. So uh, firstly, your podcast. Uh, Let's give it another plug.
1: Yeah, sure. It's called the Pie Factory Podcast uh, every couple of weeks, although we're kind of odd right now being summer and all in 90 degrees. close to 90 degrees uh-huh. today. I don't have air conditioning.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> uh, they uh, We talk about two arcade video games, uh, mostly from the classic era, but uh, uh, every now and then we'll have a special episode, but we tie the two games in together with a common theme. Like one time we talked about the arcade games Mario Brothers and Joust, and uh, that's cool. actually my favorite uh, episode of the show because we found out those two games actually have a lot more in common than we originally thought. Hmm. Uh, my thought for the theme was, two video games that have a, a similar screen layout, but the more we talked about it, they're like, they're basically the same game with one slight, you know, <laughs> uh, one slight, uh, mechanic involved with it. But, um, so yeah, we time together with a theme every now and then we'll do a special episode. Like we've had, uh, an episode about, um, about, uh, say our favorite Atari 2600 games, Uh, We actually did an episode this last Christmas where, I mean, uh, my co-host and I uh, talked about our careers in radio, uh, because we were both uh, involved in radio at different times. Uh, He was more on air than I was, but uh, but I thought that was an interesting episode, but that's uh, that's what we do. Uh, My co-host actually has his own podcast called the Atari 7800 Homebrew Podcast, which talks about homebrew games for the Atari 7800 system, and... um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's cool. pretty much uh, pretty much it. Uh, so to listen to, and uh, my audio is generally pretty bad because I have no idea why. <sighs> <But laughs> I've only been doing podcasts for about ten years. This one for four. Audio
0: not... audio is always the tricky one. It either sounds really really good or it sounds terrible. I'm, never I'm not. Yeah. I'm, mine's the same. But... Yeah, I, I think I know what the
1: problem is. I think it's just the soundboard that thing that I mm. use here. But I've been meaning to get a. Uh, like a USB connection for my microphone but I I haven't <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And, and the final thing then so where can people find your uh, find the group on Facebook uh, just look
1: for uh, Pi Factory Podcast on Facebook okay and uh, we're uh, we're there um, our hashtag is what is our hashtag Pi Factory oh Pie Factory PFP is our our, our Twitter address cool. and and uh, so, yeah, or you can go to PyFactoryPodcast.com and find us there. We're on all the major venues, uh, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts. Uh, uh, if you're good, we'll do, you know, a tin can and string and sometimes <laughs> like a stack of punch
0: cards on the side of the road. Excellent. All all, yeah. so all, so all access, all, uh, all media. Yeah. And, uh, and for the Monty Python group then, how, how can people find the Monty Python group on Facebook?
1: Yeah, the uh, the group's called the Monty Python Appreciation Society. Just search for that, and uh, be golden. There you go. I mean, there, there yeah. we are.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much for your time, Jim. I really appreciate it. It's been great well, talking well, yeah, to yeah, you, no problem. and uh, it's been great getting the American perspective on uh, on Monty Python.
1: Yeah, we're we're huge fans over here, and um, and I would argue that some of us over here are probably more uh,
0: vociferous. Vocif- vocif- uh, Rabbit in yeah. our Monty
1: Python fan- fandom than, su- than some uh, some British people, we oh, just yeah. love the silliness because at the time, when Monty Python came around, there was nothing like
0: it. A few years later, we got Saturday Night Live, but even that wasn't still as silly. Now it it still holds a sort of a you say it holds a torch, doesn't it, to some of that sort of uh, anarchic and uh, surrealist humour. Yep, excellent, great. It's been fantastic talking with you. I really appreciate it. So ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. My first conversation around Monty Python's Flying Circus. Jim was fantastic, and I really highly recommend you check out his podcast. Uh, Worth checking out. Uh, So I'll say first, chat about uh, Monty Python. There is going to be. The next episode will also be about Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and Monty Python uh, and the life of Brian, and probably more local folks on the films. Now the reason for that is... Mike would kill me, like proper kill me, if I covered this topic and did not speak to him about it. Um, comedy in general is close to Mike's heart. He has worked as a comedian on the uh, many, many circuits, at Butlins and on different things as a stand-up comedian. So if I was to discuss Monty Python and not bring him on the show, um, he would new to me. So next week... Um, the comedy genius, and you couldn't see the uh, hyphens there, um, or the speech marks, uh, comedy genius Mike will be joining me to discuss uh, all elements of Monty Python, and uh, but more specifically, the films. Okay, guys. Uh, in other news, though, if you enjoyed that, please get in contact with me. Let me know what you think of Monty Python or any of the topics that we've ever spoken about. Uh, email me. That's 20thCenturyGeek at gmail.com. Uh, find me on Twitter at 20th Century Geek, 20th Century Geek on Facebook, on Tumblr, on Instagram, all on all the social media's, and I welcome all and any interaction, any feedback, uh, and talking about feedback. Please go into any podcast provider that we are on, iTunes specifically. Leave us, leave us a review, one star, five stars, whatever you see fit, uh, and subscribe. Uh, it's always, always welcome. And finally, uh, of course. 20th Century Geek is on Patreon and we always appreciate a couple of coppers being thrown our way Uh, helps us keep the lights on and uh, keeps the website running so ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for joining us on this episode and next week Mike will be back to talk Monty Python uh, once again so see you again soon